This is episode 10 of The Janet Lewis Show. In the podcast, I will be talking with people who have tapped into what they love, are living the life they imagined, or maybe they didn't imagine it, but have become super successful at what they're doing. They've been able to figure out what gives them energy or makes them happy and turn it into a business, or they found a career that has allowed them to shine. We're going to talk about their life story, how they got to where they are, and what has influenced their journey. Today, we're talking with Tanya Wilson, chef, wine sommelier, beer sommelier, author, and food entrepreneur. Tanya's love of food began when she was studying in France, and it inspired her to enroll in a culinary arts program. After working in some well-regarded restaurants, she was offered the head chef role at the Canadian Embassy in Rome. Since then, Tanya has traveled, worked, lived, and of course, eaten in many of the world's great culinary cities. She uses her impressive knowledge to teach and write about the relationship between food, wine, and beer. Tanya is a regular contributor to the LCBO's Food and Drink magazine. She has been seen on the Food Network, CBC, and City TV. Tanya has also just created her own line of mustards, inspired by the various beer styles. It's called Brew Mustard. Plus, she's releasing her first book, Beer at My Table. This is one busy lady. So Tanya, thank you for joining me today. Thank you very much, Janet. Uh, I'm so happy. Like, I know you're super busy. We've talked about this for a little bit now. (laughs) We finally got a date, which is great. And um, so I, we originally met at uh, Fall Fit Women's Getaway in Hamilton. And I was there with Orange Fish and Tanya was giving a presentation on craft beers. I, of course, signed up for that session, (laughs) and it was great. Uh, Tanya has a way of describing beer, so you can hardly wait to do the taste test. And as you sit and listen to her description, you think, wow, this is going to taste amazing. Um, And then throughout the weekend, we got to know each other because we stayed in the same cabin, which was great. And I've kind of been following what you've been up to, Mm -hmm. and I thought it'd be great for you to be able to share your story because this is obviously a passion that you've had, and you've taken it into so many different other areas, right? Yeah, yeah. and thank you for thinking I have a story. Yes, (laughs) of course, of course. So why don't we start off a little bit with like where you grew up Mm -hmm. um, and what that was like, and then how you ended up discovering your passion. Okay. Um, pretty simple childhood. Grew up in Mississauga. I have a brother who I love very much. He lives in Whistler. Um, really supportive parents. You know, the, the things that kind of what you need, I think, to really be confident and feel like you can go out there and take on the world. Um, <laughs> and, and also we're given freedom to make mistakes, I think, was another thing. Oh, um, I love that. My parents did that with us, too. It, it yeah. helps, right? Like, yeah. And I don't know if it was a generational thing where they just didn't care as much <laughs> or were watching as closely. But, you know, you had to learn things on your own um, and not be told them, maybe. So that, I think, kind of gives a foundation of just how to make good decisions and that type of thing. Um, and then ended up in Ottawa for university and took English literature and languages. And it's funny how those things kind of come back around too, because when I was taking English lit, nobody, you know, we didn't, I didn't really know what I was going to do with it. And one of the only options is maybe teaching English. But <laughs> now when I'm writing, I kind of realize like, oh, I know where a comma goes. And uh, <laughs> So that's been great. And then even the languages that I took, I took them because I just sort of did well at French in high school. Um, and then in the end, I lived in France and Belgium and Italy. And so I ended up using the Italian and the French that I had studied at university. So what is it that encouraged you to go to France? Um, just France. That it was France. <laughs> I actually... Um, I was taking French as a minor and I knew I wanted to go. And then the fellow that I was seeing at the time, um, he had an opportunity to coach a football team there. And so we said, let's go. And we did. And yeah, that was the first insight into a whole different world of food and wine. And um, my background is British. I was just going to ask yeah. that. Okay. So, yeah. So I don't want to knock it, but uh, I always say, you know, at least we gave something to the world in beer, um, <laughs> but uh, and good sausages. But anyways, yeah. So I hadn't really grown up with, you know, 
super duper interesting, tasty food. And, and France was kind of the first place where I got to taste real, you know, yummy cheeses. And nowadays, I don't want to date myself here, but, you know, that type of stuff is readily available sure. everywhere. But when you're shopping at Miracle Mart in Mississauga in the <laughs> 80s or 90s, and you wouldn't be picking up like super great cheese or anything like that. So Yeah, it's funny how our like family meals have even evolved to be so much more complex. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And fresher ingredients too and just availability of everything and people growing their own foods now and yeah it's it's a great time to be eating for sure and so then what was it that encouraged you so you're in france you're enjoying the food <laughs> you love eating but what is it that inspired you to say hey i want to actually learn how to prepare this i think um yeah so i think i think one thing is that i always liked learning new things so I was taking my last French credit at the university there. So I was still, you know, learning, um, took some pottery classes, things like that. Um, and so you're doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and, and like, even when I think when being there and, and starting to try and read in French and those things, I think that's one thing that I would say kind of, kind of like makes the passion happen, like wanting to learn about stuff. Right. Um, and so when I got back, I thought, well, why don't I go to cooking school? Because I knew I probably wasn't going to do anything with the, um, actually, sorry, I, I was working. So when I got back, I was working in a bar slash restaurant um, as a waitress and sometimes bartender. And I asked the guys that own the restaurant, can I work in the kitchen? And that was, um, they were like, what? And I said, yes, please. And that was really the first time that I started cooking. And yeah, because when you think about it, if you're bartender or serving, that you don't ask to work in the kitchen. Yeah, you're not the looking to go backwards. Spot. Yeah, it's hot. You get paid less. It's yeah, it's dirty. Um, but uh, one of the restaurants that I worked at in Mississauga, um, I, that was my first waitressing job, and I remember I would go into the kitchen, and there was this Jamaican lady, and she must have been about eighty-five, and she was she would help the uh, who was supposed to be the chef and this was like a roadhouse so it wasn't fine dining or anything and i'm trying to i think her name was may and she would be eating like crazy fish heads and i was like oh my god like that was really the first insight i had to like crazy food because i was still only probably 19 18 19 then i was like look at what other people eat like that wasn't stuff that we ate at home so <laughs> um yeah so that was kind of the first thing and then when i was working at the the bar in ottawa that kitchen i used to always just hang around in the kitchen and talk to those people and that guy was vietnamese and he used to bring in amazing crazy stuff too and i was like what do you have in that tupperware because they wouldn't eat the food of the restaurant right and um yeah i feel like those two situations like hanging out in the kitchen was where i started to think oh there's like lots of interesting food available out there you know and so uh where did you go to culinary school yeah, where did I go? In Ottawa. It feels so long ago. In Ottawa. So, uh, Algonquin. So yeah. <laughs> so, I, think, I, I think I did go. Didn't I go? Yeah. No, I was Algonquin uh, in Ottawa. And then, so I did the first year. Um, and then the second year, at that point, the restaurant I was working in, in the kitchen, um, and it was a big, successful restaurant, the head chef was leaving and they brought three of us in separately and asked us why we should be the one that takes over the kitchen. And really my, like my answer to them was it probably shouldn't be me because I hadn't, I'd been working part-time in the kitchen. Um, so I had no experience with the administrative stuff, but I just said, I'm going to work my ass off and, uh, <laughs> and you'll get that from me. And, you know, I, yeah. So I think some, they must've seen something there. Um, yeah. They saw someone who was going to work hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and, and, and I enjoyed being creative and helping with the men, like the daily menus and stuff like that. So anyways, that was sort of like my first real solid job and in any field kind of, because I had to answer to adults that were running, you know, like <laughs> needing to make money for their business. And so there was inventory and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and, you know, like, and also having people that worked for me that was older, that was a whole weird dynamic too. Right. And yeah. or people that were my age or, you know, yeah. Like having to be bossy, like, <laughs> not be bossy, but be a boss. I was I'm not very good. I wasn't very good at that. I don't even know if I am. That's probably why I work for myself. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. I think it's hard to manage people. I think it is too. You yeah. know, like 
it's really super, super challenging because everyone is so different, but you're supposed to manage them all in the same way. Yeah, that's right. a skill set that not everybody has. And yeah, I don't think everybody enjoys, like my husband, he, I, that's what he's been doing for many years. And yeah, there's just so many variables in it, right? Like yeah. people's personalities and then their levels of success in their at doing their job properly and yeah and you're just trying to do your own yes exactly yeah exactly exactly (laughs) so you uh, are working in this restaurant you're now the head chef Mm -hmm. um and then where did you go from there um that's when i left i left there to go to italy so that was a like a three that was really kind of a spontaneous uh karma moment um found out that that job was available and then like i through people that I knew and I was like oh I like that job because I heard that they were losing their chef who was Australian at the Canadian embassy and uh then yeah and then the so how hard like you're would you say you're still kind of like a relatively new chef how did you end up getting a job at the, the Canadian the, embassy the wife and the husband knew the restaurant that I worked at and knew my food style came in you know had a meal we had an interview at the table and they were like, yeah, we're going to, let's do this. And so three weeks later, I was on a plane. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was crazy. And it was an Italian restaurant that I was running and it, the embassy was in Italy. So, uh, do you speak Italian? I do. Yeah. At the time, did you? Um, no, I had what I'd learned at school and that was it, which was, uh, yeah, it's not the same. I, I remember going to the market and, um, Th- those nona they're aggressive like you're standing there and you're thinking i don't even know how to order it in the proper you know like i didn't learn the link the um, words for different cuts of meat and that type of thing so i really would just kind of point get it put wrapped up and then deal deal with it when i got back to the embassy but uh um the way that it is like everyone's just kind of like yelling over these raised counters to place their orders and I was like oh god like that's that's one of those moments where it's like you better buck up or you're gonna you know be coming home with no food right so kind of pushing through all of the older ladies that are accustomed to that like it's 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 more of a yeah, I guess a more aggressive manner of being, right? Like everyone's kind of yelling and, you know, a kid that just lived in Ottawa for 12 years, you show up and you don't speak the language and you're like, uh, rack of land, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, there, was, there were some real defining moments of that that four years. That what do you think was girl. the most challenging in the four years? Um, I don't know. I guess like initially just being by yourself and learning the language and settling into the routine. Like I had the the embassy for information and all of that. So it's not like I just was dropped in there and, and but you know, like found myself an apartment um, and just, yeah, I guess like that part acclimatizing to the, a new culture. Um, and then for the job, that was all pretty easy. It was like a nice growing experience, learning about their foods and all of that and I remember the beginning though like here's one of those defining moments um I had got rack of lamb at the butchers and there they I I don't know if this was like always the case can't remember but it was it was probably two weeks in and so I bought this rack of lamb it was just a small luncheon with a reporter and the ambassador and the rack of lamb had the chine bones still on. So I cooked it, you know, everything else is ready to go. And the way that the embassy is set up, so there's the residence and then the offices and the resident, the residence is where I obviously cooked and where the ambassador left, uh, lived. But there was a monitor that you could see these gates open and close at the front entrance. So you'd always see like the Carabinieri, which is like the RCMP, they were, would all be lined up or whatever. And then the gates would open, the guests would come through and then the gates would close. And uh, the gates closed and then Sally Fu, who was the butler, he came down and he's like, everything good? I'm like, oh, all good. Meanwhile, I taken the lamb went to slice it and that chine bone was still there so you can't get your knife through that that's like trying to cut through an arm bone and so I was like hammering the thing <laughs> up, like, and that, that was really one of those like moments where I'm like oh my god I don't even know how I'm going to deal with this but you you know you get through I was like close the door please and then just started hammering the, the lamb off the table but um yeah you're so <laughs> professional close the door yeah uh, no all is well we're good here close the door <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. good I'll just be a moment <laughs> <laughs> so that all worked out I obviously it 
they didn't notice and I still have my job. (laughs) So in your uh, time in Italy, like, is there anything that was a highlight or most memorable that you... All of it really, like just learning about the people of Italy, like they were kind of, it's an interesting place to be. They're all interesting. Uh, the geography of Italy is gorgeous. The weather, the the food, the wine, all of that. And then I actually, that's where I took my um, course for certification for sommelier for wine. So, you know, like that was really a, heart, a huge part of you know, my career because when I came back, I kind of knew long term I wasn't going to work in kitchens yeah so having got my sommelier papers how did you know that um well another defining moment it was New Year's (laughs) Eve at that other restaurant that I'd left and I had a bunch of friends that had come in for the second shift or whatever of the New Year's Eve um, dinner and I remember having like the flu and going upstairs after my finished my shift and I was telling the staff like okay shut down the kitchen and I went upstairs and I was lying on the floor in the office on a dirty laundry bag and I could hear nine eight seven and I was just bawling like "Ah." (laughs) I was like so sick and all my friends were downstairs and I think that was the moment where I was like yeah this is not gonna be forever (laughs) but it it was really when that job taught me what I was made of you know like and I was only I was made of it up until that point probably (laughs) like breakdown yeah, I think that's probably enough yeah but um so yeah. you have this moment <laughs> on the dirty I know exactly what bags you're talking about yeah the, the ones bags. with the drawstring yeah yeah I've worked in many a restaurant bar um so you have this moment and then it's New Year's Eve the next day do you then make any changes I probably or did it take not. a while like, I'm sure I just went and you know, had some fun with my friends. I don't even remember how far along it was. Like I stayed for a while. I'm going to say it was maybe summer when, when that, the opportunity for Italy came up. So I, I didn't yeah. leave right away, but I think that was probably one of those times you're like, okay, you take it's it going to start like, happening. Yeah, make a note to self. Uh, <laughs> you don't want this for the next 30 years. <laughs> Which is funny because a lot of people that will come up to me and say, oh, you know, my son or daughter is going to culinary school. I always say, like, just make sure they're taking something else as well, right? Like, don't put all your eggs in that basket because it is a really hard industry. And, you know, like a lot of restaurants fail. And so it's, um, I, I was driving down here and the CBC, they were talking to somebody, I forget. And they were saying, like, she had said, oh, you know, they always say, keep your passion at, or don't turn your passion into your job. Mm. Then there, there, there's the people that say, turn it into your job. Yeah. And then it will never seem like a job. But then there's the other ones that say, don't, uh, don't turn it into a job because it won't be a passion anymore. And, you know, I think there's some truth to that. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, okay. So you're in Italy. What you loved it. It sounds like you loved Amazing, it. But what, yeah. why was it? that you moved on like what what inspired I was there for four years and I think I just got to the point where my roots going to be set you know being a woman age comes into it a little bit too you know there I love my friends and the people that I knew there but they're still not your family and then you think realistically like how often will I see my family if I'm here and you're going to live a whole different life. And I, that was not the life that I pictured. I couldn't see that life happening. I saw my life back here. So, and so you came back to Canada. Yep. Worked in another kitchen. No, actually, (laughs) that was the time when all the team building stuff was happening. So, um, started a company that really did catering and events and that type of thing. Um, called Saver and that that yeah that went on for a little while and that was fun it was just like you know doing cooking classes and wine tastings that type of thing Mm. um and then I ended up getting a call from the ambassador Uh, I had worked for two ambassadors in Italy but from the first one um and they asked if I would come back to Belgium to work. And I, w- I said, yes, yes, I would love that. And so went and worked there. And that's actually when the whole beer thing started. And, and Yeah, because I would say, like, do you think, I could be wrong, but do you think you were maybe a beer sommelier before being a beer sommelier was really a thing here? I think it was drink. It's funny, like I was drinking, um, yeah, interesting beers. I, you know, I don't know, actually. Probably, like that's long enough ago that I don't even know if there were 
you know, so many yeah, terms for it back yeah, then. But I, I feel like the whole beer sommelier thing has just kind of erupted with the craft beer market. Yeah. Right? Like before that, you're drinking Coors Light or Labatt or whatever. Yeah, no, totally. And um, I, but then when you get more of these like craft brewers that are doing things that are different, yeah. it, it is more similar to like the wine and how is wine different and you yeah. need someone to explain it. Right? And that actually just wrote about that in the book was that, you know, it's amazing that say 20 years ago, you'd go to the beer store and it would be a handful of, of brands and most of them would all be lagers that people were buying, right? And now there's an explosion of everything, which is amazing. Um, but what this book does is gives... 39 styles of beer in their iconic form in their either their traditional form so if it's like a hefeweizen this is what a real not a real but like this is what a hefeweizen from bavaria tastes like here's the you know the brands to get so that you know when you have a hefeweizen with mango and you know um, papaya blended in like you kind of know what the the base the should base be flavors, first right yeah. and i feel like kind of compare it to um, fusion in the 80s my god <laughs> this sounds like I'm 90 um, <laughs> but like you know you, you can't just start throwing people will see your picture don't worry they'll know you're young <laughs> yeah. they, they throw like a lot of fun into the bottle or can but it, I think it's always good to know what the the, the first version of it was like right. the, the history the behind it and why why that beer style even came about and you know maybe it was a wheat beer because they just you know, grew more wheat in that city or whatever, right? Instead of barley. So I don't, there's just different, different, you know, interesting bits about all different beer styles. And then, and then it's more fun when you taste the kind of riff on it because you can taste what the brewer is doing to it. Anyways, that, yeah, that's what that You must have a really like refined palate because first you start out in food, then you do your wine sommelier and then beer. But it sounds like, would you say beer is more your passion? I'd say, you know, I'd say it's kind of staying one step ahead, right? So, like, there's trends with everything. So, I mean, obviously, Europe had an effect on me getting into wine. Um, and wine was getting big. So, for work, the corporate business was doing wine mm, tastings, right? right? Then, really, um, obviously, Belgium put me onto the beer thing. But it has all worked out the way it should because when I kind of was ready to start working again I was like oh well there's eight million people that are talking about wine now now I'm you know like I have an extra thing to add to my basket of skills and it's actually relevant to what's going on today so that worked out really well that I had gotten into the beer when I did so that when I came back out to start working a bit more um I wasn't still now one of, you know, like the 8 million wine sommeliers that are right there. So, so, okay. So you went to Belgium mm -hmm. and then after Belgium, came, you came back to Canada, came back. And then it sounds like you took a little bit of a break. Yeah, I did take a break. So I had kids and my children are nine and 10. So I'm going to say like that, you know, that comes into play with career. I worked from home. Um, actually when I, when I first had max i was working doing contract work for conagra which is a humongous uh food company so i was doing product development for them so that actually was something i could do from home still kept me in the loop and even that job was really about you know taste and aroma and stuff like that had you done product development before um no, I hadn't. And I'm going to tell you the story of how I got that job. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> um, I, was, I used to do cooking classes at, at Williams-Sonoma. And I was at the location at Sherway. And there were, you know, 10 ladies sitting at the, at the counter. And I was doing my whatever the dishes were. But whenever I teach about food, I always talk about, you know, tactile sensations in the mouth and still taste. And then the aroma and the balance and all that type of thing. So... It turns out that there was an elderly lady who started choking a bit and it was a little bit upsetting because one, the other women were not really the most pleasant about it. They were kind of like, oh, stop coughing. You're ruining my experience. I thought that, that's really rude. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but so then, um, you know, but I would, I actually kind of started crying. <laughs> it was a, a bit upsetting, but it turned out her, like she was with her daughter um, and her 
daughter ended up being, um, I can't remember her role, but VP of something at ConAgra. So she ends up get take like she got had my email address and wrote me and asked if I wanted to come in and interview for a position. Come on, yeah. are you serious? And I was like, I know that I had the skills, the skills for the cooking in that part, but the reason why I got the call in has to do partially because she saw that I was being kind to her mother. I didn't know anything about the, yeah. her and that job. So that's, I just said it to my son the other day, like you never know who yeah. somebody is and you just be kind to everybody. Like we were, um, we were somewhere and going back to like the restaurant industry, there was a, a bunch of, um, a bunch of young girls who were working as waitresses beginning of the shift or whatever. And they're all kind of like standing around as you always did. Yeah. And, uh, and some older customers came in, you know, like senior citizens. And I kind of, you know, you get that, you see a couple of them that are like, oh God, like I'm, I'm too cool for this. Right. Yeah. And then, then the other ones that are pleasant and nice. And I said to Max that that's a learning experience right there, especially for sales. You be kind to everybody and yeah. you're not above anybody. And anyways, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Cause like, it's amazing what... how people can just throw attitude. Yeah. And, you and know? really. Yeah. No and, I, and I find, I find lately like customer service is terrible. Yeah. No. You know, like terrible because it's like the person who's working the job is like more concerned about them them than they are about the customer mm -hmm. it's like it's almost like you're bugging someone when you ask a question you're like don't you work here <laughs> okay so here's an example from two hours ago i popped into a store near here to see if they wanted to try mustard and the fellow working in there was like you know languishing across the, the bar or whatever and um or the counter and I said, oh, you know, asked if the owner was in, oh, he doesn't ever work at this location. He just, he just works at the other one and lets us run the store. And I, I was thinking in my head, oh God, what a bad decision. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he kind of came around, but he was like, he looked, I, I thought he, he was kept kind of being like, oh, like you could tell that he was bothered by being there. And I thought, what a poor representation for your business, right? Yeah. Which, that's that's not good but um but this is the thing like everybody well some people don't want a job but i'm gonna say when people they want the job because they want to get paid they want the money but they don't necessarily want to do a good job yeah and that's something that i also bring to talking about the kids again like i tell George's my daughter but the two of them like I say say to my husband oh our kids as long as they have like a smile and are polite they're gonna do great out there in the work world because when you look around at some of the the behavior yeah. you think it's not gonna be hard to beat that out right <laughs> which it sounds terrible but it's true no like, it is true yeah it is true a little bit of work ethic these days would probably get you really far very far yeah yeah I think you know it's interesting because you can hire someone and when you hire them if they are like, what else can I do? What else should I do? Like, is there anything else I can do? And then they go and they do it. Mm -hmm. As opposed to the people that you have to ask them 25 times to do the one thing again and again yeah. and again. Yeah. Right? Like, I am paying you to do a job. <laughs> That's why you're getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Um, okay, so you went into product development. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's actually kind of interesting because your journey with like the languages, um, being overseas as a chef, now product development, you know, all these are like building blocks to what I you're know, doing, actually, right? Like that's so funny. I know it is. Um, because even when, with the mustard, I reached out to people that I'd worked with at ConAgra. Um, you know, I'm still in contact with them and, and most of the ones I'm in contact with are no longer at that company because they... Did it had a big mix up, but, um, yeah. And, and it, it is funny. And yeah. when I look back, like everything was another block in the Jenga game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So I like that Jenga game. So, okay. So you do the product development mm -hmm. for a few years or whatever. Yeah. And then what do you move on to next? Um, it's always been bits and pieces. So like the, the joke is that when somebody asks, so what do you do? I sound unemployed because I can't even remember the last thing. Cause it's always different. So, I mean, the, the product development was actually, I think seven or eight years. So that, and that wasn't constant. So there would be that there would be, I've been writing for food and drink for 13 or 14 years now. Um, 
you know, other little things like I edited a wine book for a company, um, catering or wine tastings for corporate customers. And so it's all, so how, how do you find all these like little bits and pieces? Um, you know, some of the stuff was from when I was living downtown, I was networking a little bit more. Um, yeah, just being out there. Right? So do you love, like, it sounds to me like your every day could be very different, right? Like mm-hmm. super different depending on kind of what comes your way. Do you like that? Um, I do. I do like that. Yeah. I think that anything that's too um, similar and constant, I probably get a little bit anxious. So probably, yeah, different yeah. is good. Um I really, like, I would I have to be honest, the last number of years has been home home things. So you say, like, oh, every, every day is different. And in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, it was laundry one day. And then it's like <laughs> cleaning the, the uh, yeah. So, it, yeah, it is. It's And you don't know when the jobs are going to come. The other thing I have to say is that I've been fortunate that over the time that I've kind of started developing these other things, I have a husband that's working full time. And, right. and so there, there's obviously that luxury, but if, you know, like I know myself, it would have happened alone also, right? You, you just are going to, you're going to make it, it happen. Different, different it would be route, different yeah. route, but yeah. So, so then how did you, um, end up deciding to start brew mustard i have always wanted to do a product um not rather than a service because i really do enjoy working with people and but i thought if i have if you have a service and it explodes you're kind of working harder yeah if you have a product and it explodes hopefully it's selling itself and you're just managing a little bit that's what you hope yeah (laughs) (laughs) so um yeah, so I know the, the Listen, I started Orange Fish in 2006 because I thought it would be a great passive income for retirement. Yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> There's and if nothing it, passive about it. Oh. <laughs> well, we have to talk about passive. that one after. Yeah, I we'll talk about after. that for sure, for sure. Because I also used to do <laughs> consulting, so I felt like I had to be always working in order to make money. Yeah. So that's why I started Orange Fish in part. And it's like, yeah, this is not passive. Like you have to put in the, like any business, yeah. right? It's not like you can just be in your kitchen and make your mustard and it's going to fly off the shelf. Yeah. Like, but it's, have it, to do stuff. hopefully it's work that you enjoy. Like yes. go, going out and talking to customers or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. So now, um, what does your day to day look like? Cause when did the mustard launch? Not long ago. So I'm going to say about three months ago, we, I got into the, a big grocery store at the, in the West End, and um, that was really like the first. Woo, that was I could run with that and go to other stores, and then, um, yeah, and then once I had all the product, then I just sort of hit the bricks and started selling and knocking on doors, and and it's really this at the very beginning. So I've only been going into stores for I'm going to say like three months. Like I got that first one. And then we had some things to do over the summer, and now I'm just waiting for September to really kind of go. go so with this piece, um, what have you liked the most about it? Piece of like a, with um, brew mustard, mm-hmm. starting it as a brand, mm-hmm. selling, making it. Which part do you like the most? Um, creative marketing, which is weird. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I feel like that's actually. A little bit of my strength maybe is like the marketing of it so even just kind of like coming up with the packaging and then figuring out okay how are we gonna how are we gonna make this kind of do the work on the shelf because it's easy to or easier to hand sell it to somebody yes. at a show or you know to the person that's buying like the, the owner of the store perhaps but if the bottle's just sitting there on the shelf by himself it's he, he needs to be able to pull people in and so the label like it's called brew and then the u um has the umlaut so the two dots on top of the u which is a smiley face and then so now i ended up calling that little guy bruno and <laughs> like bruno is gonna do all the work he's just gonna sit on the shelf and smile at people and then they're gonna like oh he's smiling Sweet. at me and then they're gonna go <laughs> want to take him home <laughs> so yeah. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so, yeah. So just stuff like that. That's really fun. I love all that kind of stuff. I do like sales too. Like I enjoy 
trying to succeed in selling something <laughs> and people saying, yes, I like that. I'm going to buy it. Do you like hearing now? Um, I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't good. like hearing it at all. Just yeah. ask my husband. <laughs> I don't do well with not, not hearing the answer that I want to hear. Right. So that's going to be something that I'm going to have to, you know, work on. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm wise enough now to know, like you just walk away politely. <laughs> But uh, it's like, no, you, you really like this. I'm sure you like it. It's just today. Maybe you don't like it. Um, anyways. Yeah. Well, so. Why don't I leave some? You could try it another day. Yeah. <laughs> it's all these tactics. Yeah. And so um, that's what you like the most from beginning of the mustard adventure mm-hmm. with Bruno. Uh, what do you think has been the most challenging in that? Finding the time to just get it all done, which is everybody's time. You know, like you, you have a million ideas, you're lying in bed, you're like, oh yeah, that would be great. Oh, let's do that, whatever. And then you get up and there's only so many hours in the day to get that accomplished, right? So, oh yeah, my to-do list is like ridiculous. And every day it gets longer and you're like, I'm never going to finish everything on this list. And I keep adding to it. Yeah. (laughs) You spend so much time rewriting the list. Yes. I could be doing something that's actually, you know, productive (laughs) rather than rewriting the list. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's true. That's true. That's true. Uh Did you have any, um, like, um, like, do you make all the mustard yourself? I do. Yeah. Well, not at home now, but I have a co-packer that does it, but I initially made the mustards myself and then, took those formulations to the co-packer and now they do it for me. So how do you make sure that someone doesn't steal your formulas? Um, yeah. So I've been with two co-packers now. I mean, there's, um, NDAs, which would prevent it, I suppose, but I don't think, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure you really can prevent it, but I feel like what, what sells that brand or that bottle is, partly the packaging yeah packaging is so important yeah super super important um i was at a get together with a bunch of entrepreneurs recently Mm -hmm. and i was showing them this um beverage and you know the one woman i was talking to obviously her background and expertise was marketing Mm -hmm. because she just had so many questions like who are they trying to target and this this shape of can doesn't make sense for their demographic and uh-huh. why are the letters so small women in their 40s need the letters to be bigger yeah <laughs> and it needs to shout at you what it is and like just listening to her for like 15 or 20 minutes i'm like wow i just got a little course in like branding and marketing uh-huh. right yeah. <laughs> like, but people Should, I need underrate to get, it get you to take my mustards to her and see like i i love constructive criticism because there's no point going forward oh yeah i you know i can i can take one to her she's great awesome yeah no she's awesome she was super super friendly too Mm -hmm. like um that's the thing that i like i love connecting with um like other entrepreneurial minded people yeah because you just think differently Mm -hmm. you know like a lot of people are much more open so for example if you know we're talking about that can you could hear the feedback about that can and some people might think well i don't i don't care what this lady says Mm -hmm. um or you can be open and be like oh some of those things i need to remember in case i'm ever doing something like this in the future yeah and that that's a good point about just life in general you never know so be able to recognize important bits of information right yeah. and just keep putting all that stuff in your bag and then one day like you're going to use some of the, those things right yeah and so um <clears throat> you know you're joking about your life being like jenga and so do you feel like everything that you've done up until now has kind of like added to your toolkit so that brew mustard can be successful i hope so yeah like i even on the website i say something about like how how can you put a, a career or into a bottle of mustard? And it's, I just feel like everything I've done has really kind of got me to must, the mustard. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, um, do you foresee <laughs> like now that you've done one product is your vision to create other products as well? For sure. Um, so going back to the branding, I feel like that I'm hoping that that brand can become something that's recognizable. Um, and at the moment I'm thinking hot sauce will be the next step, but, um, yeah, there'll be something again, once I sort of lay a uh, foundation of getting it into stores, getting, you know, some, some traction there, then I'd like to get something else out really quickly just so that 
you know, if you don't like mustard, you might like hot sauce. Sure. Yeah. And like right now, do you do everything yourself? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So you would probably like, have you done a business plan? <clears throat> oh, please. Oh, please. Yeah. Who has time for that? <laughs> yeah, just go with your gut. <laughs> because I'm guessing at some point in time, you'll hire someone. Yes. Um, yeah, actually, so I've had lots of like support from friends and family, which is amazing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, and there's another fellow who's been really helpful, who's kind of in that industry. And this is the thing we talk about people that have bad manners and are rude and that, but there's like a lot of great people out there too, which is awesome. And this one fellow, he, yeah, he's been giving me like a lot of helpful information. And I sort of said like, I don't, I don't get it. Like at some point you you need to get some money from me. Uh, and he's like, just don't worry. And I'm hoping that I get big enough that I can mustard. use his. Yeah. There's only so much mustard in Bruno's. here. Yeah. I, I offered to do a dinner party for him and his wife and their friends. Just as like a thank you wow. for the information so far. But um, yeah. Can I tell you that story too? Yeah. Okay. So like, because I'm a real believer in in not necessarily karma, but things happen for a reason and you have to be open and, you know, watching for these things to happen. Right. Yeah. So, um, like my husband always says, Oh my God, you, you like see people from 20 years ago and you're like, Hey, it's Tanya. And it's like, but it's in the eyes. Like I can see somebody from grade five, I'm like they don't look anything like we looked in grade five, but it's in the eyes. Anyways. Um, so I hear, I have to make this one quick I end up getting a call from a friend of mine who used to go to a camp with this, you know, we were all kids with this other man who was a kid at that time. And I had gone to that camp just for one week with them. And I guess through Facebook and that he knew I did wine tastings. So he wrote to my friend, Kim, does Tanya still do wine tastings? Yes, she does. Okay. She's going to, I'm going to call her to do it for my business. So he calls me um, and he says, you know, let's do this wine tasting. As we're talking, he's saying, oh, I used to work for, it was either Kraft or Unilever. And I was like, oh, like you might actually be able to help me here. Cause I've had a, the, the biggest issue or the biggest obstacle for getting the mustard to where it is, was finding a co-packer. You either have to be doing like 50,000 bottles or, uh. or nothing really. Like it's hard to, to get to find somebody. So I couldn't find anybody. Um, and I said, you might be able to point me in the right direction because I've had no luck. He said, well, if, if this guy, Sean's not the guy to help you, I don't know who is. So he sets me up with that guy. I meet with him at Starbucks for a coffee. We're talking, it's going great. He's like, well, mustard's my thing. Like I've already done a couple of companies with mustard. Oh, this is so crazy. I said, this is so crazy. So he, and then he's like, sending as we're sitting there sending messages to co-packers like trying to get me set up we're like have a great day we leave um i'm driving down the highway and the car that pulls up beside me at the off-ramp the personalized license plate says g-e-r-b-e-r like the initials of the man and wife i suppose the first guy that set me up was sean his last name's gerber and I was like, that That's is weird. so crazy. Yeah. Like, cause that all happened. Like that, that meeting with that fellow was like, what, an hour, an hour and a half. So yeah. I met, got the meeting, met with him and then drive by that car. I was like, it's so crazy. So stuff like that. I feel like if you're, if your eyes are open, yeah, stuff comes to you that you, if you're, if you're not alert and aware, then you, it just passes by you. Right. Yeah. Like, and not that that did anything, but it's just having that positive belief that there are those powers that are happening. Well, it just that, reinforces you this yeah. happened because of that guy. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Don't forget that. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So do you think that, um, like how valuable has it been to connect with the right people to help you at different points in your journey? And has there been anyone who's been super influential? Um, I think the, the ambassador and his wife hiring me, that was a huge turn because, um, you know, that put me in Europe, which then put me getting my sommelier papers, which that really gave me direction. Um, 
I mean, of course, and this is cheesy, but like my, my mother and father and my family and that, like they have always been super supporters, right? So, yeah. I mean, but that's a constant. So that wouldn't be one of those pivotal moments. Um, so is there anything that your mom or your dad used to always say to you that still rings true up here? Like, I told you to get vacuuming. No, <laughs> I don't, um, it was... No, there's not. There's not one of those catchphrases that everybody has. Like, my mom told me. But everything my mom told me, even if I didn't want to hear it, she was always right, which kind of drives you crazy too. But she's... Uh, it's funny. Like, even now, I will think sometimes, what would my mom do? Because I know that she would do the right thing. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. just kind of like a mindset that, you know, growing up with her put my head in so and I think being a good person people want to help good people yeah right yeah yeah that is that you can never be too nice yeah I think yeah you know well I guess you can be my sister tells me that all the time about me like I'm too nice to the wrong people which <laughs> <Yeah>. is <laughs> not good but you, you have to be who you got to be too yeah. right and yeah yeah and it's the energy you put off too right like if, if you're positive and kind and people feel that yeah oh yeah it's funny so are you a big believer in energy i think so yeah like yeah yeah i only like not so much when i was younger Mm -hmm. but i would say for sure in the last like five to ten years i've become like more in tune with it Mm -hmm. and i've noticed like you know some people you meet have super low energy other people have high energy and i've also noticed like sometimes the people that don't have good energy just want to be near people that have good energy. Mm-hmm. Which would make right? sense. Yeah. yeah. It's like they gravitate towards it. Mm-hmm. Right? I think everybody gravitates to good energy though, right? Yeah. But some people aren't even aware that they're around good energy. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they can't, they haven't fully realized how to appreciate it. Maybe, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, I'm going to ask you, um, we don't have much time left, but I have a couple of questions Mm -hmm. Um, and they're kind of like called like rapid fire questions, Mm -hmm. meaning my question is quick, but you can take as long as you like to answer. (laughs) Bananas. (laughs) That's right. Bananas. What's your favorite fruit? (laughs) Why bananas? Um, Okay. So... Is there someone in your life that you've encountered that you would look at? um, And it could even be like a celebrity or Mm -hmm. it could be someone in your circle that you look at and you think, wow, that person's so successful. They really have their shit together. Oh, God. Okay, I'm only going to say, I'm going to say Kim Turley because I feel like Uh, that's so recent. um, And she has created work for herself doing something that she loves to do and she spreads positive energy all over the place. Yeah. Um, but th- there's, I mean, <clears throat> Kim's not in my life really that, um, often. So there's gotta be somebody else too. But, <laughs> but Kim is good. But you know what I, I like that you said she has created work for herself. Yeah. And what's super interesting is that they're predicting that jobs like we know today are not going to be around. Yeah. So even for example, people like your kids mm-hmm. are going to have to create their own work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, which you and I, I think we like that. Mm-hmm. Like I like creating my own work. I like that every day is different. Yeah. It's a bit stressful if you don't know where your next contract or whatever is coming along. Um, but it allows your day to be different. Yeah. I like that. Right? Yeah, for but sure. Not everybody does. Um, okay. So, um, when you were younger, what did you think you were good at? Mm. Or what did you really like doing? I think probably sports, things outside sports. I think I, I really, like I always excelled at sports. Do <laughs> <laughs> so I just one answer? I'm going to say it one more time. Sports. So you're a chef, so you weren't cooking in little... Uh, I have a cookbook either? from when I was nine, and, and I do, and it's all, you know, dirty, and so I did use it. <laughs> so I must have, yeah, I think I, I must have shown some signs of wanting to cook, but little girls, I think, they like doing that in general, and boys too, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't say that I, that the cooking thing really didn't happen until I went to Europe, I think, and then, and saw what was going on over there. I was like, wow, I gotta somehow be part of this. Yeah. <laughs> and so what do you think, um, like when you look at the, your entire career so far, 
it, can you pinpoint like one best moment that you thought, wow, this is amazing. I cannot believe this just happened. This is going to sound cheesy, but right now I feel like I, I have worked hard and, and I, I've worked hard, but I've also had luck or, or, you know, been fortunate, the cliche, but I feel like I, I luck came and then I was ready cause I worked hard. So I got to capture that luck. Um, and then I, you know, I just kept working, doing things, doing things, knowing that I always wanted to have a product. And then I had my kids, which that, you know, that's, that holds you back a little bit. It's reality, right? Like you're not still, it's not about you and you're not a hundred percent doing what you want to do to build uh, your work. And then, um, yeah, I really feel like right now having accomplished that book and finally having that done and then now having the mustard come to fruition in my hand, I can give it to somebody. I feel like right now is the moment. Of course, when I got the call saying like, you're going to Italy, that was a pivotal yeah. moment for sure too. But in this half, I feel like it's right now. That's which, amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I feel really And happy. you know what's so funny? I, I did a little bit of research about you. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought for I thought you were going to say, because um, I think I read that, did you cook for the queen at some point in time? Yeah. I mean, that, that we, I joke with my mom that that's going to be on my gravestone. <laughs> <laughs> Because, and she, my mom would, you know, like if she was talking to friends or something and, you know, say, oh yeah, Tanya cook for the queen. It's like, oh my God, that has to, that has to die now. Like it's so, it's kind of been, it's a, a long time ago and it is an awesome thing. And it, it actually was really great for when I would start doing a cooking class or, you know, mm-hmm. that would get thrown out in the, in the beginning. Um, but that, that to me is like a massive memorable moment. Like how many people have that opportunity? For sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Like, and that putting that on your resume is pretty, yeah. you know, that helps the cause for sure. Talk about being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's it. It's like being open to stuff. Like, I don't know. That was. Uh, so did that happen because of just wherever you were currently a chef? Yeah. So, was, and I was at the, and it wasn't even at the Canadian embassy. It was at the American, hold on. It was at the Italian embassy. She was going there. Um, the chef was American there and then I went over as the Canadian chef and then also the chef from um, from England like for, or from I guess Buckingham Palace or whatever like oh, their so you chef got asked to participate yeah well there's yeah. like dishes on the menu that all represented each each um, place so. oh cool yeah that's interesting yeah, yeah that was that was neat actually. That'd be, having, I'm sure it's quite the experience having even getting to meet her was kind of like that was cool um and my nan being you know British background um being able to tell her that I did that and got the curtsy for the queen like that was you know an exceptional moment for sure yeah that's amazing yeah. um so why do you think like you've you've brought up like quite a few times like Oh, well, I have two questions actually because one is you threw out the l word which is luck do you really believe in luck I, I think you make luck. Does that even make sense? I think you can make your own luck a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, there is luck. I mean, because you talk, you, the other thing you talk about is working hard, working hard, working hard. I got to this, I've worked hard and it's, I kind of feel like people who work hard use the term luck a lot, mm-hmm. but it's like you said, you make your own luck. Yeah. And then part is because you work so hard. Because right? if you didn't do the working hard, you wouldn't be in the position where somebody's asking you, do you want to go to Italy, right? Like, yeah. Like they weren't asking Joe who was still working the salad line because Joe didn't work. I mean, it's a combination, right? It's not that Joe didn't work hard. Um, but there's somehow luck that I found out that that position was open. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. It's it's the power is working, but you I feel like you need to be open to those things. And so, once again, going back to being just kind of a good person allows that stuff to come your way. And so what, what do you think it is that drives you to, to make you want to work hard or to do a good job? Um, a little bit of not failing, I think. Like even Italy, I probably would have come home earlier because um, mentally I, I was probably ready to come home. But I was like, no, I'm not coming home until I finish this fourth year, until I get this much money in the bank. So... There's something about like setting a goal and not not making that happen that drives me a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think work ethic, like just being taught yeah. that as a kid, and you know. So you taught that as a kid from your parents, or you saw how hard they worked. Like, where did you learn that? Um, I think I must have picked up some sales stuff from 
my parents, my mom particularly was great in sales, but yeah, there were chores and stuff like, you know, which, which happened these days, but it's not the same, same way as it was when we were kids, right? It's like, I'm going to wash the whole house for a dime. What? <laughs> I know. And now kids just get handed iPhones. Yeah. And they're like five bucks. And how about 20 and I'll do half of the job. <laughs> And you just couldn't negotiate back then, right? And there was fear of your parents back then too, right? So yeah. there was fear to not be lazy or not fail at school and come bad home with bad marks or whatever. Not that I was like, you know, super studious, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I have one final question. Um, and I stole this question from someone else. I love Tim Ferriss, so I listen to him all the time. Yeah, he right. asked this question, but I love the question. So if you had a billboard... And you could write any message on it that everybody was going to read. What would that message be? Oh my gosh. Be kind. Right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe that. Yeah. I, th- I think someone's already, you know, hashtag that one. But <laughs> like, but I honestly, like, I really believe in, like, just being, especially nowadays, it's so much more important. Just be good to each other and be empathetic and think about, you know why maybe somebody said that or yeah 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 because i you're right i think it is so much more important now and why is it so much more important now like have we lost ourselves yes i think we have i think people have like i think i don't don't even want to say younger generation but i think there's so much that there's so much less connection and there's so much more um just being about yourself that we are not empathetic because we're not connected into what they might be thinking or feeling or whatever. So, and then if everyone's kind and good, then great things can happen with business or whatever, what, you know, whatever comes out of it. It's almost like we, um, like aren't very good at appreciating when good things happen to someone else because then we're comparing and thinking, why did that happen to me? Yeah. Like it's so much more like self-absorption maybe. I don't know. Like it, it, I mean social media doesn't help that problem either. But one thing that I that I can say actually two things. One thing my my nan always would say is okay, here's one of those moments. She always said you need to ha- make sure you have enough of your own money that if anything ever happened, you could you'd be okay. And that actually, that's probably been a driving force somewhere deep down. It's like, I've never, even in all of this with my, you know, my husband making money and and I still started brew utilizing money that I'd made from saver doing the catering. Cause I didn't want to pull like from family money, even though I, I mean, it's all one big bucket, but I was like, somehow deep down, I need this all to be paid for by itself. Kind of right. So that thing there was something else I was going to say but I just got off track I don't even know but yeah but so being self-sufficient oh I know and being content she'd always say like oh you know just be content with what you have and I feel like that's one thing that I never look at other people and go oh I wish I had that yeah like I'm just I just I yeah I'm like or if the kids will ever say like oh look at that car I'm like what, how's that car going to make your life better? Like you, you need to know who you are, what you need, and then go out and get that. And it's not going to be something that has a price tag on it. Yeah, know? that's right. Yeah, that's right. I like the way you said that. That's yeah. good. So I want to thank you so much for today. Oh, thank this you. Great. I've learned even more about you, which is awesome. And um, if people want to um, reach out to you, um, you have your website. Mm-hmm. What is the website URL? Actually, uh, so TanyaWilson.com, but for the mustard, it's TanyaBrewMustard.com. And there's the two sites. And so there's the TanyaWilson.com site and then also the BrewMustard.com site. Yeah. And then what about on social media? Are you on Instagram? I am at Chef Tanya Wilson or I am at Brew Mustard. And at Brew Mustard, I'm the head brewmaster. <laughs> B-R-U. It's the only way I'll ever be the brewmaster. That brew means you're the Yes. <laughs> really. Um, okay, great. And uh, is, is Instagram the one that you use the most? I would or? say more so than Twitter. I think it doesn't automatically send it over to Twitter, but yeah. everything I do is through Instagram. I'm the same. I think Instagram and Facebook for me are the two biggest ones. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't really do much on Twitter anymore. Yeah. Just the automated stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's great. So people can check you out there. Yeah. And thanks again. Thank you, Janet. This has been fun.